Uh, good evening, everyone. We're continuing the series of Path to the Just. Uh, the last year, we are in chapter 22. I believe that if we don't finish the series today, we'll finish it next Monday, Bezrat Hashem. We're very close to the end. It's 26 chapters altogether. We are in, um, in the middle of chapter 22. And the uh, last thing we say is that uh, Rabbi Yochanan says, uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the president of Israel in the destruction of the second temple. When the Romans came and destroyed the temple, he was the, the president. He was one of the 80 students of Hillel Azaken. Hillel was the, the president of the Sanhedrin, and he had a student. He had 80 students. The biggest one was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and the smallest in his level was Rabbi Yochan, uh, 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 the biggest one was Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel, and the smallest one was, was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that lived 120 years and knew everything you can think of, he knew. And he was the smallest out of 80. He knew the language of the angels, the language of the animals, all kinds of things that they had knowledge that it's beyond any understanding that we can have. So this is what he writes. This is in Pirkei Avot. This is referring to every Jew. Even today, not only 2,000 years ago, even today it still applies. If you learn a lot of Torah, don't hold too much credit for yourself. Because this is what you created for. You know, which means many people today, if they learn Torah one hour, two hours, five hours, the more they learn, the more they feel important. Wow, I'm learning. My friends don't learn even one hour. I learn five hours a day. I do a lot, right? But the truth is that if a person he was hired to be a mechanic in a garage, he has to work 10 hours a day and replace brakes all day. So when he changed the brakes on a car, he feel anything special? This is what I got for. <laughs> this is what I was hired for. If I'm not going to do the job, I'm not going to... Why do they need me here? If Hashem puts the Jew in this world, his job is to learn Torah, to be connected to the Torah. And if he does it, he's going to get a huge reward, for sure. That's not a question here. But to feel something special that you do what you created for, that's a little, a little bit too much. This is where we ended up. Today, we will continue uh, with the words of Rabbi Chaim Moshe Lutzato. Moshe Chaim Lutzato. It, is, uh, it's, it says like this. Kama gdolim nemuche aruach. Praising the humbled people. How great the humbled people in the eyes of God. That in a time that the temple was there, a person used to bring a sacrifice. If it was an Ola sacrifice, this is a special kind of sacrifice, he has the reward of Ola. If he, has, if he brings the Mincha, the afternoon sacrifice, he has the reward of the Mincha sacrifice. But someone who is down to earth and humbled is not a show-off, is not a proud person. The Torah compares him to someone who sacrificed all the sacrifices that you can think of to, together, which is a much, very, much higher level than bringing one sacrifice at a time. How do we know it? This is in Psalms 51, verse 19. The sacrifices of God is a low spirit. This is the praising of the people who are down to earth, the humbled, in their heart, in their thoughts, and Hashem said to the Jews, don't think that I chose you from all the nations because you are the biggest or the strongest nation. No. 
because you are less than all the nations. Diamonds, they are not that much in nature. Very difficult to find diamonds. You have to dig, you have, it's, it's very difficult to find. Gold, a little bit not as difficult. Silver, a little bit easier. The easier it is, the more you have it. That's why the value of it is not so important. How much sand you have in the world? Anybody cares about sand? People, you see people picking up sand from the floor? Somebody sees diamond, he picks up a diamond. The world has 7 billion people. 13.2 million are Jews. It's not even 1% of 1%. Every normal person understands right away the whole world is around these 13 million people. Every, every television, every news, every newspaper, every article somehow connects to Israel or to the Jews or to the economy. The Jews control this, the Jews control that, the Israel, Jerusalem, everything all over the world. What the Chinese have to do with Israel? What the, the Russians have to do with Israel? Well, the Arabs, we understand, it's cousins, it's all in the Middle East. But all these countries that you never believe they have something to do with Israel, everywhere you go in the world, Argentina, this, El Salvador, you hear about Israel nonstop. Everything is around Israel. Israel, there's less Jews in the world than, than American Indians, perhaps. Anybody ask where the American Indians? How many times a year you hear about them anywhere in the world? They're more or less the same size nation. Nobody hears about them, but the Jews is everywhere else. The Torah says, Everyone will talk about you, Rashi writes, about this Pasuk. Everyone will be around you. You will be the center of the world. Israel will be the center of the world. Jerusalem is the most important city in the world. Everyone desires it. Everyone wants to destroy the Jewish temple. Everyone wants to destroy the Jews. Not everyone. There's always an exception to the rule, but the majority of the people throughout the generations, everything is around Israel. And this is what God said to the Jews. Not because you're the biggest empire, two billion people, one and a half billion people, no. Because you are less than all the nations. Now from these 13 million, only two million listens to Hashem. 11 millions don't have an idea what they live for. Most of the Jews in the world are very, very live in a big darkness, spiritual darkness. They don't know what Shabbat is. They don't know what intermarriage is. They don't know tefillin. They don't know kosher food. What do they know? They don't know anything. Maybe if we're lucky, they have mezuzah, and if we're even luckier, they make brit milah to their children, circumcision. That's really more or less what their Judaism is all about. But the, the Christians also circumcise their baby in a hospital, so really it doesn't make that much of a difference. They do it for, for, for medical reasons, not really because God said so. So what do we have here? From these two million people, two million from seven billion, do you understand the ratio here? And from these two million people, how many of them are learning Torah? How many? Not even half. And from this half that learns Torah, how many really learns Torah with all their heart and all their soul and all their efforts? How many? 50,000 people in the world? And from these 50,000 people, how many are considered high-level scholars? that you can ask them any question in the Torah and they know to answer any question, anytime, everywhere. How many like this? 200? 700 people? 7,000 people? We don't know, only Hashem knows. Many of them are hidden, they're not publicly open. But, you know, a few thousand people, that's it. The whole world is for these 7 or 10 or 20,000 people that runs the show, even though nobody knows about them. The world is running for them. When Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came out of the cave with the sun, what did he say? 
It's only worth it for Hashem to keep this whole world just for me and you. After these 12 years, we learned Torah in the cave when we were hiding from the Romans. For me and you alone, it's already worth it. The amount of Torah we learn and we know, it was already worth it for Hashem to keep. In his generation, there was no 7 billion people. Maybe half a billion, who knows, 2,000 years ago. Not that many people compared to today, but still it was plenty of people compared to two father and son. And if Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said that, you know 100% that it was 100% legit. We're not talking exaggeration or show of fear. You understand? So we're talking the most righteous people ever lived. The writing of the Zohar, the founder of Kabbalah. So, Lo mirubchem mikol ha'amim, Amar lahem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Banai, my children, I desire you that even when I give you all the greatness, you put your head down and you stay humbled in front of me. That's why I love you. I gave glory to Abraham. He say, I am sand on the ground. That's how he felt. He didn't ever say, I'm the president of God. I'm the most important person in the world. Every important religious figure in the world, look at his outfit, look at his palace, look at his servant, look at his salary, look at the, the, the glory, the fame, uh, pictures of him everywhere. Well, Abraham Avinu, the most important person in the world, what does he say? Anochi afar va'efer. Hashem, forgive me that I'm asking you this. I'm, I'm sent on the ground. This is how he felt. If we, many people come and say, who am I? And in the heart they say, I'm the number one in the world. Hashem knows. That's called a chad bapeh, chad balev. One word in his mouth, the opposite in his heart. But Abraham Avinu said to Hashem, I'm sent on the ground, and Hashem put it in the Torah. That means that's how he felt. No, no, nothing whatsoever, 100%. Then he says, I gave glory to Moshe, Moshe and Aaron, and they say, Numa. what are we? We're not considered anything. They run the world. They speak to God. They take the chosen people out of Egypt. They brought the Torah. They did so much in history, more than anybody else. What did they say? What are we? Today, every person who makes a few thousand dollars already thinks is the president of the world. Right away, new car, jewelry, that, changes clothes, uh, walk like a, you know, like a peacock to show his feathers. You know, someone who knows a little bit Torah, right away, wear a special kilt, goes everywhere, special hat, changes hat, wants to be a, an important rabbi. But they, this kind of people, they stay down to earth 100% every second of their life. We had one like this in America. Was the biggest giant and the most humble. Who was he? Who? You know? It's a big crime for a Jew to live in America 10, 20 years and not to know who was the greatest Jew lived in America. Moshe Feinstein, Lower East Side. All the Torah in his hand, everything down to earth. Speaking to the cleaning guy, the cleaning lady, hello, how are you, this, that. 100% down to earth. And all the Torah in his hand, 100%. And the most important thing, it's one thing to be a great scholar and to be a genius, and even to learn very hard all your life with devotion, it's, an, it's a great achievement. But it's much harder to be perfect on your personality. That's much harder. To know a lot, if you're talented and you like to learn, eventually you will. But to become a perfect human being, humble, generous, merciful, uh, kind, faithful, and all these great things that he had, that's not so simple. Because it's enough you're born with two or three bad traits, 
Anger, for instance. You know how difficult it is to change anger? People who are hot temper. It can take 20 years of everyday work and work and work until they finally control themselves not to get angry, ever. Very difficult. So, so what, what, what was he? He never felt anything special. Mamash down to earth, 100%. And then it says, you know, the rabbi of Rabbi Ovadia Yosef, the, the chief rabbi of Porat Yosef, the biggest Faradi yeshiva in the world until today, for the last 150 years or so. It was not, not a legend, a super legend, Rav Ezra Atiyeh. When his little boy Ovadia was missing from yeshiva, teenage, he, after two, three days, he thought, two, three days, he's sick, we have to go pay him a visit. Went to his house, the mother says, now home. Where is he? Working with his father in a grocery store. His father had a little tiny grocery store. So he went there, he said to his father, his father's name was Yaakov Yosef. So he said to him, Rabbi Yaakov, Ovadia is not coming to Talmud Torah, to Yeshiva, what's wrong, what's going on? He said, ah, I'm sorry, I'm old, already old, I cannot do everything on my own here. I need help. So he took him out of Yeshiva to work in a grocery store. So he told him, leave him, leave him, I'll, I'll help you, here. Send him back to Yeshiva, he started to cut cheese. The most important rabbi of Yerushalayim, cutting yellow cheese for the customers. Of course, it didn't take more than an hour that the customer was ready to stone his father for giving the rabbi such a job. But the idea is that, okay, no problem. Down to earth, Rabbi Sion Abba Shaul was going on a bus. They begged him to have a driver, chauffeur, salary from the government, everything. No, he was getting on a bus. At one time, the driver threw him a towel. Hey, buddy, clean the mirror for me. Because he was so humble, he didn't want to be anybody special. So I asked him, can you clean the mirror, the side mirror? So the most important person in the world was standing on a bus cleaning the mirror. Do you think he got offended? Imagine you say Mayor Bloomberg, hey buddy, clean the mirrors for me. <laughs> the police will go on strike for a month after that. You understand? Actually, I heard that he's pretty humbled. He takes the bus or the train. Someone told me now a few days ago that he gets on the train. Very interesting. And uh, Rav Volby, sitting on a bus. Rav Volby. The, the super Baal Midot and all the, the education and this, was sitting on a bus, taking the bus like an ordinary person. No bodyguards, no servants, none of these things. And believe me, if these people wanted money, all they had to do is just to hint. And everyone would run after them. This is what we have today. Everything the opposite. So Hashem said, I gave glory to Moshe and Aaron, they say we are nothing. I gave power and glory to King David. What did he say? I'm a worm and not a real person. The writer of Psalms, that every sentence over there show right away that he had the Holy Spirit of God inside of him, big, strong. What did he say? I'm a worm. I'm a worm. And he felt that he's a worm. That's why Hashem loves us. I gave you everything, and you're still down to earth. This is a very important thing in life. Everyone who's down to earth will be successful for a long run. And everyone that is a big shot, fancy, schmancy, wants fame, glory, runs after honor, would ended up nothing. Nothing. And that's not to talk about the afterlife, when times come for judgment. We're talking over here. Over here, this is what's going to happen. Then the Ramchal continue. it says like this. A person like this, 
even the mitzvot that he already achieved, the commandments that he fulfilled already, for sure did not reach the perfect level. And even, you know, first of all, the person should always think, every mitzvah I did in my life, how many of them I can come and put on the table and say, you know, this I made 100% perfect. This Shabbat I kept 100% perfect. This mitzvah of tefillin I did from the beginning to the end with the right intention, with holiness, with purity, with, with, with you know, with my body was shaking. How many people can say that they did it once in their life? This mitzvah, this birkat amazon, I kept one word at the time. I was thinking exactly what I'm saying. How many people can say it? I ran after the poor people to give them, to help them, to clean for them, to do. How many? I give. Okay, whatever. Once in a while I give. That's it. But to do it 100%. And plus, even if you do it 100% perfect, you came from a woman. You were born. You're a human being. You're not an angel. You live here. Tomorrow you die. You sit. You eat. You sit in the bathroom. You're half monkey. Why are you bragging so much? You're not that much of a difference than the animals. Right? And not only that, even when you reach a nice level, you always have to look at that as the mercy of God. There are many people who tried just as much as you and they didn't achieve it. You're born with a talent. Well, everyone is born smart. Some people are trying very hard. Look at the kids. They try, they can't understand. And some people understand. So, that, so you look at that as a gift. Oh, if your father is wealthy and now you have a nice car, you deserve a credit for it, that your father bought you a car when you're 16. What credit you deserve? You, you got lucky and you got it. If someone was born handsome or pretty, whatever, they deserve credit for it. So why are you taking credit for something you don't deserve? Most of what you achieved comes anyway from God. Even if you put a lot of efforts, you deserve, you deserve a, a reward. I'm not saying no. But always look at that as something that you got as a gift. So what's the point of uh, bragging? It's like a poor person who receives a gift. Is it possible that he will receive this gift and not, and not uh, will be embarrassed? If a poor person comes to your door and you give him a gift, is it possible that he would live happy? How can he live happy? Even if you give him a nice amount of money, he will always have the embarrassment. Why? He did not earn it. Someone did for him. You know, this world, it's like Bet Tamchui. You know what Bet Tamchui is? Bet Tamchui is a place that they cook food for the poor people 24 hours a day, all week around. Everyone who doesn't have what to eat comes stand online there. They give him food. Rich people sponsor it. And that's how it is. So one person, there's one poor person, he didn't know Bet Tamchui, not Bet Tamchui. So he decided to knock on people's door. Maybe they give him something to eat. So he saw a beautiful house with nice big mezuzah over there. So he said, you know what, let me knock on the door. Maybe this person will give me something to eat or some money. So I told him I'm collecting uh, charity. So he told him, I'm going to give you a nice meal, the nicest you ever had, but not for free. You will have to earn it. So the poor man said, OK, what do I have to do? He said, I have to clean my entire garage. So he showed him the garage, boxes, dust, shelves. Wow, such a job. The poor man is so angry. He said, you know what, let me suffer the two, three hours. At least I get a good meal. It keeps me another two, three days going. So he can't clean everything. By the end of the three hours, he comes to him and says, OK, give me my meal. So he says, you see this house across the street? Across the street, go inside. The meal is ready for you on the table. Eat whatever you want. 
The poor man says, okay, he goes across the street, he sees fish, chicken, everything, salad. So he eats, he eats, he stuffed himself, he's so happy, finally a good meal after years. Then he was ready to leave. He takes some rolls, put in his pocket, whatever he can put in his pocket. He's about to leave. And a person from upstairs say to him, I never saw in my entire years that I'm here an ungrateful person like you. Come, eat, fresh, and ready to leave and don't even say thank you. So the poor man looks up. Say, so you have the nerve to tell me that I'm ungrateful? I killed myself for this meal. I walked three hours like a dog. What do you mean, ungrateful? You're not giving me any gift here. So the, the person over there said, well, what do you mean worked? I just saw you coming here 10 minutes ago. You sat and ate. You finished half of the house here. And you say that you work for me? I don't even know you. I never saw you before. Who gave you to work? He said, I went across the street. I walked for three hours in the garage. He said, wow, he fooled you also? He's fooling every, every poor person who comes to him for, for food. He sends him to work, and then he sends him here to eat, and we pay the bill. That's the parable, the mashal. What's the nimshal? What do we learn from this story? This world is like this bet tamchui. The food is ready. Hashem puts the budget for every Jew. And Hashem says, come and eat. Just say thank you, that's all. Appreciate that you got it for free. But some people want to earn it. So they go to college seven years, and then two years stage, and then until they find a job, another seven years. When, they, when their hair is gray already, they finally make enough money to put down payment on a house with this economy. They kill themselves, they drive taxi, another night, they work in a restaurant, waiter, this, that. In the end, they make enough money to survive. Some people, instead of doing all that, they talk to Hashem, help me, I need help, I need money, you know what I need. Every day, and they trust him 100%. They're not worried. I have a lot of bills coming next week. Why should I worry? There's a boss to the world. <laughs> he feed the bugs and the elephants and the Indians who, who bow down to Buddha. He won't kiss me, he won't give me enough. He kissed Buddha, gets Hashem so angry, and Hashem gives him what to eat. I serve the master of universe and he won't give me what to eat? Let me pass the test and everything will be fine. So one way or the other you'll get the meal. The question is, do you want to clean the garage first or not? It's up to you. You want to clean the garage? Go ahead. Do you want to come directly and eat and say thank you? All you have to do is to elevate your level of faith. That's the rule. The more you trust God, like you trust the bank, like you trust the policeman, like you trust who knows who, your father-in-law. The way you trust people, if you trust Hashem like you trust them, everything will be fine. This is what David Amelech wrote in Psalms. Don't trust the philanthropists, those who give. Nedivim means generous people, the stingy people who trust them. They're afraid to go to the bathroom that they don't have to eat again. They'll give you. They don't want to eat because they have to go again by. Cannot trust them to feed you. David Amelech said, no, I'm, I'm saying the generous ones, the one who give, you can still not trust them. Why? Okay, now he's giving. Another minute he gets a heart attack and he's dead. What are you going to do? You depend on him. Now you need to pay your rent next, next day. And he died. What are you going to do? Or he's sick or he's out of town. Trust me, I'll take care of all your needs. Today it's through him, tomorrow it's through her. But that's the world, that's the world. So the Ramchal continue. 
And he says like this, David HaMelech wrote in Psalms 116, verse 12, What can I give back to Hashem? He gave me so much. What can I give him in return? Whatever I'll give him. I give charity 10%. He gave me 100, I give back 10. Do I deserve credit? I put fill in. Who gave me the strength to move my hands, this, to tie? Who gave me the money to buy that fill in? Who gave me the ability to walk, to understand, to read? Everything from him. Everything, no matter what I do, still 99% of it, it's him. I just, the captain, I maneuver the boat to the way I want, to do a mitzvah, to do a sin. But the power, the engine, the gasoline, the money, the time, it's all from him. I just decide if to do good or bad with what he gave me. And this is what David HaMelech said, we saw Hasidim Gdolim, we saw big, great, righteous people, that they got punished because they took a lot of credit for themselves for their righteousness. They were very big, righteous people, no doubt about that, no sins, 100% righteous and above it. But they felt great about themselves. I deserve, I'm one of a kind. They never dared to say it. In the heart, I'm the greatest. I'm the, that's what they think. Nobody can go to the level I do. Nobody can learn more than me. Nobody can give more than me. Nobody, nobody, that's how he think. But he doesn't dare to say it, when they got punished for it. And they give you example, Nehemiah ben Chachalia. Why the book of Nehemiah doesn't call after him? He deserved the credit. Why? He wanted the credit for himself. Today, people take credit for something somebody else taught them. They don't give credit to their teacher. Everything they copy and this from other people, they, they change the name and they have copyrights. The Torah said, don't be a big shot. You learn it from Mr. A, say it in the name of Mr. A. You learn it from Mr. B, say it in the, in the name of Mr. B. Give them the credit they deserve. And what else? Chizkiah, Chizkiah, he says, this is the, the greatest king we ever had in history, in the history of Israel, the king of Israel, Chizkiah. It says, Ine leshalom marli, right? It says like this, the merit of David Amelech and for King David, what uh, it says, I'm say, I'm, Hashem said to him, he thought that he's the thanks to him. And Hashem said Hashem say back to him, you should know that I'm saving the city for the merit of King David, not for you. Right? This is what he says. I will protect this city. To save it, to bring salvation to the city for me, first for me, Hashem said, it's my children. Uleman David Avdi, not for you like you think, for him. Many times a person thinks, thanks to me this got this was done. Thanks to me this was done. Sometimes he's right. Most of the time he's wrong. Now if he takes credit for something he doesn't deserve, people give him respect for it. People give him benefits for it. He has to pay it back with interest. You got something you don't deserve. It's in a way like stealing. You come, you take credit for something you did not do. People marry their children to your children because they hold very highly of you. You're the one who opened the yeshiva. You're the one who give the money. You're the one who saved the place. But in the end, it's somebody else, Bechlal. Somebody else. What else? It says like this, everyone who takes credit for himself, 
In the end, it's for the merit of others. Vechol sheken shelo itnaseh v'ikba mehem, that he won't feel greater than anybody else. Then the Ramchal continue, all our intelligence is like zero. It's considered like zero. The greatest chacham among us, the greatest scholar among us, is still nothing compared to someone in previous generations. You take the biggest rabbi in the world today, when everyone admires him, and there's a lot to admire, there's no question about it, in relation to other people around him, there's nothing to compare. But if you take him and compare him to the Rambam, or to one of the rabbis that mentioned in the Talmud, if you put both of them on a stage today, the biggest rabbi in the world right away would run from the embarrassment that they put him in the same stage. Why? If you only had an idea who these people that are mentioned in the Gemara are, your soul will come out from the holiness of these people. People don't understand. They think, ah, it's another rabbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Meir. They don't understand who these people were. They don't, they don't understand. Because we don't have anyone like this in the world anymore. But the Ramchal reminds us, Okay, okay, so you're the greatest rabbi in the world. The greatest, the most important person in the world. You're Rav Eliashid, no? Fine. But let's be honest. You put yourself in a, in, in a generation next to Rashi. You put anyone next to Rashi, every word of the Torah, Talmud, Nevi'im, it's harder a hundred times than to translate Chinese. Everything is translated. Everything. There's few places in the entire Tanakh, everywhere that Rashi said, this one I did not know how to interpret. Few, which means everything else he knew, he had like a, a clear vision. Someone like this, Rashi, and this is not in a generation like today, you have computer, you do search, search engine. Everything in the head, everything in the head, billions of words in the head, only 900 years ago. The more you learn, the more you are amazed from these people. Someone who never learned, he doesn't give them the credit they deserve because he doesn't know how to evaluate them. Someone who doesn't know about rubies. He see a ruby on the rug, he think it's the kids play with that. Two dollars, they bought it in a place. Doesn't know it's four million dollar ruby. Because <laughs> the kids play with that on the rug. Someone who knows right away, he, he faints when he see it on the floor. Understand? It's all depend if you know how to evaluate. Then the Ramchal continues and it says like this. Now let's talk about how to be humbled reality-wise, in actions. You can divide it to four different parts. First is to be insulted, never to react. People put down at you, they talk against you, they try to ruin it for you, they speak, or they insult you, they call you bad names, whatever they do. Doesn't bother you. There's a boss to the world, he sees everything, I don't retaliate. Whatever they do, they do, it's not my problem. I pray to Hashem, save me from all my enemies, finished. That's one, one category. Second, to hate titles. Chief Rabbi of this, Chief Rabbi of that, the genius one, the, the number one, the number five. Don't want all these titles, nothing. No special outfit, no special hat, no special car, no special office, not in a newspaper, not uh, this on my name, not this street on my name. No, thank you very much. Don't want any of that. So he's running away from honor, right? But at the same time, he gives honor and respect to every individual, even the smallest person in the world. He treats them fairly with lots of dignity and respect. 
And when he walks, when he talks, when he sits, every move he makes, it's always comfortable and nice, no anger, no arrogance, nothing whatsoever. And when he teach, he always have lots of patience, even for the dumbest person that sits in his class, the dumbest. Doesn't matter, why? He understand everyone got blessed with what Hashem blessed him. He, the fact that he doesn't understand what I understand in a second, it's not a reason to get angry. So lots of patience. Patience is a sign of being humble. Someone who doesn't have patience for people, that means he's a proud person. People that are not in his level, he looks down at them. So, always to speak in a nice way. Always with respect and never to put down people. Never to name them with bad things. You fool, you dumb, you this, you that, like some teachers do. You understand? One word sometimes can be worse than a knife in a heart. And King Solomon, the greatest person ever lived, the smartest person ever lived, he wrote in Mishlei chapter 11, verse 12, Baz lere'ehu chasar lev. Someone who looked down on his friend, it's an, it's an indication that he doesn't have a heart of a human being. Heart of a rock, maybe, yes, but not a heart of a human being. Just the ability that you can look down on other people around you, that already shows Chasar Lev. Chasar, he doesn't have a heart. Psh, what, a, what a comparison here. And what else he wrote? When the wicked person enters, the shame also comes with him to the place. And when he walks, obviously the shame goes away. Chazal asks in Masechet Sanhedrin, page 68, Who will inherit the life of eternity, the afterlife? Who? Anvatan ushfal berech. Humbled and down to earth. That's one of the foundations. Without it, you want to go to the life of eternity to be with God when you think you are God? There's no rooms for two gods over there. Go to Greece. They have many gods over there. <laughs> over there, there's only one. You want to be one? Okay, you stay here. I don't need you with me. You want to steal my job? Will not walk. You know these guys that go to the gym 50 years until they finally build the body, so they go, they remove their hair, they buy a special shirt, they cut it for, for five days, for the 10 minutes that they walk like this on the beach, and everyone looks at their muscles like this. You know this, this mentally, I don't want to say what. This kind of, and you know what? The fact that they are sick, no, when, maybe one day they realize it. But society is so sick that not everyone understands that they're sick. For that, we have to cry. You understand? It's one thing you're sick, but if you don't know you're sick, then that's much worse than to be sick and to know that you're sick. If you know you're sick, you have a, you have a chance to cure yourself. If you think, oh, I'm perfectly fine. Or the women who sit 45 minutes in the morning that maybe when they come to the supermarket, Jose and Anthony will tell her, Como esta, senora? Muy bonita. Ah, gracias. This, ah, she, Jose gave her a compliment. Forget it. All day. She's like a peacock. 
with their high heels, all they suffer with their mini skirt like this, where maybe somebody look at her beauty. And it's all mental sicknesses. Pride is a mental sickness, but people don't realize it. Society tolerates pride. Nobody loves proud people. Jews, non-Jews, doesn't matter. Even proud people cannot stand other proud people. Check, you see. He's the most proud person, but he cannot stand anybody else that is proud. There's a lot of criticism about him. All these newspaper writers, when they see somebody acting with arrogance and pride, they smash him in the newspaper. But they are much worse. They are much worse. But they cannot stand him. That's what it is. So it says like this. Don't walk like a big shot. Oh, down to air. Don't, don't make a lot of noise to attract attention. Better nobody realize I'm here. No, fine. They invite you to sit on the stage. No, no, I'm good here. What for? Then what else? The prophet Isaiah, chapter 10, verse 33, this is what he writes. People who want to elevate themselves higher than the average people with pride, what will be their end? It will be easier to cut them off. Comes the knife, all the ones who came up, chop them. Why Hashem cannot stand proud people? Always put himself with the simple, ordinary people. They, 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 they divided the, the, the party to two groups, VIP, important, big shots, and the ordinary people. And you are VIP. Don't go there. Sit with the simple people. With this, ah, no problem. Better than to think you're somebody special. Don't be a big shot in front of the real king. And when all the great people gather together, you better not be there. Go with the simple people. Every Jew knows a lot of Torah. Enough to be a real big shot, and everyone would bow down to him, and hide himself, and keep himself down to earth all his life. Guarantee that in the life of eternity will be the highest from everyone else. Many people manage to keep themselves anonymous 10, 20, 30, 40 years humbled until they reach a certain age and all of a sudden they basically kick the bucket and all the water spill. From that moment on they got one title and another one and another one. The next thing they want to be the master of universe. But they were humbled for many years. That's a big shame. You managed to keep yourself down, you didn't want honor, nothing, and then you got to age 60, 65, and all of a sudden you run after glory. What did you do by that? Almost a little more and you did it perfect. And the Gemara in Masechet Sota, page 5, the Gemara says, Le'olam ilmad adam idat kono. A person should put all his efforts to learn from the real one, from God. Not from the professor in Harvard, not from the psychologist here and there. Forget about this. First from God. What can we learn from him? Hashem gave the Torah and the lowest mountain in the desert. He could have taken the biggest and highest mountain. It's a bigger event, no? But what did he do? He went to Mount Sinai, which was the lowest one. 
וישרה שכינתו על הר סיני מפני שפלותו, because he was all the way down. The second part is tolerating insults. People make fun at you. People laugh at your clothes, they laugh at your face, they laugh of your, of your, of your intelligence, they laugh in your status, they laugh at your car, they laugh at your accent, whatever, everyone with his problems. Some people, it burns them like fire. Some people, not so much. Some people, they smile. Eh. <laughs> I always tell people, when someone comes to insult you, first thing you have to check, who is insulting you? If he's a person who has no knowledge, no intelligence, no wisdom, no nothing, consider like a dog is barking at you. If a dog barks at you when you walk in the street, you get offended. You don't get offended, so why do you care what he says? His mentality is like a dog. All he wants is to eat and to have whatever to do, like the, like the animals. What does he have? He has any intelligence, spirituality, something? Nothing. He doesn't know what he lives for. Well, 100% like a chimpanzee. So what do you care what he says? Chimpanzee threw at you something, banana in the safari. You cry? What an insult. But if he's an important chacham, someone that's very high, so told you even one tiny comment, that's a different story. Take it to your heart, yes. Why? Positive. Correct yourself. But it's all depends who talks to you. If this person comes to insult you, you laugh at him. Laugh with him. You know, in Russia, the, the Kozakim, the Kozaks, Russia, Poland, they used to bring the rabbis to dance in a bar. That was their fun. So some rabbis, they felt horrible. They have to dance with all these drunk Russians, Kozaks. But there was a Zusha, Rabbi Zusha, he used to do the whole night the show for them. So, <laughs> so he stood and asked him, Rabbi, what, are you enjoying the party? He said, who am I dealing with? This is people. It's like, like dancing with the monkeys. That's what it is. Well, I, I, I get offended from this kind of people. What kind of level they have? They have a soul. If they have a soul, it's buried d deep in the, in the mud. What do you expect from them? Ah, somebody in a high level offended me. That's a different story. But here, nothing to be offended of. So most of the people in the world, how, how much relationship they have with God? How many of them lives by the rules? How many of them achieved anything? Almost nobody. So what's to be offended of? What for? Plus, you should know that if God didn't want it to happen to you, it just wouldn't happen. The fact that it happened to you, that this person came and spit at you or screamed or did something, check yourself what are you guilty of. Maybe whatever he tells you is nonsense. Maybe he's drunk. Maybe who knows what. Well, why did it happen to you? Why you had to be insulted in front of people? Check yourself. It's a wake-up call from Hashem. And what else? It says, Lemi Hashem nose avon, who Hashem carries sins, his intentional sins, avon. Lemi shover al pesha. When people are doing crimes against you, they're hurting you, and you forgive, and you don't respond, you don't retaliate, Hashem will do measure for measure. You didn't go after them, I don't go after you. So it's a great profit. The best way to erase your sins. Sometimes, an insult like this can be like, a, like 50 Yemei Kippur. 50 days of fast, Chatan, Avinu, Hashem, El Rachum Vechanun, Zeslichot, Chatan, Ulef, Anecha, 50 times. Five minutes incident, already you, er, you erase more sins than 50 Yemei Kippur. Why? 
Hashem says, you know what? You got to this level, and you don't answer back. You don't. You you can do a lot, but you don't. You trust me? No problem. Next time, when I have to punish you, I hold myself also. Yeah, it's all measure for like a mirror, measure for measure. What you, you stand in front of the mirror, the way you designed yourself, that's what you see. So it says like this. Hate the titles. I don't want to be the head of here, the head of that, the head of this institution. Forget about it. And someone who runs after title, what's Hazal calling him? Shoteh. A fool. Fool. It's not a smart person. Rasha, wicked. Gas ruach, arrogant. This is the words that someone who runs after a title, he wants to be the chief, the chief dad, the chief rabbi, the chief principal, the chief, the chief, the chief, the mayor, whatever, everyone with his uh, pride and ego. Hazal call him horrible names. Who wants to be in this category? The Gemara in Eruvin, page 13, the Gemara says, You run after honor, the honor will always run away from you. It will not stay by you. Never run after honor. Never. And the student of Rabban Gamliel can prove it. They were very poor, and they offered them a great job with a great salary and lots of honor. And they're very poor, they need the money. They did not want to accept the job. So he told them, the rabbi, you think I'm giving you honor? I'm giving you slavery, to be slaves of the public. I'm not giving you any honor like you think. You don't want to get the job because people will kiss your hand. People will bow down to you. People would stand up when you come into the room. People would, uh, would talk to you in respect. So you're running away from this respect. But what about you being the servants of all these people? take care of all the problems, all the mental issues, family issues, children issues, parnasa issues, health issues, teaching them, learning this. What about all this? It's a servant, it's a 25 hours a day job. It's never end. There's no time here. So, oil ala rabbanut, Chazal say, shemekaberet et be'aleha. Someone wants to be a rabbi, an important chief rabbi, should know that one day this job will bury him. Take away his energy, take away his livelihood, take away a lot of things from his life. We learn it from Joseph, Joseph in the Torah. Joseph became an important, died the youngest out of all his brothers because of that, 110. Everyone else lived longer than him. Klalo shel davar, the Gemara says in Brachot, page 55. The rule, conclusion of the rule. En rabanut ela masagadol. Being a rabbi, it's a huge burden. If someone is normal, he should have hoped that he wouldn't be. No. Asher al-shechem anoseoto, on the shoulders of the one who got the job. Once, before he was, he was free. He can do whatever he wants. He can go whatever he wants. He can say whatever he wants. Nobody doesn't have to report to anyone. Now he's in the highlights. Now everyone check him. Now everyone is waiting for him to make his first and second and third mistake, that they can smash him and they can start with the Lashonara. And ungratefulness and all kinds of other problems would come, right? And he has to be polite to everyone and tolerate and all kinds of things. And it's mentally exhausting. 
How many years you can hear this one lost his son, this one lost his daughter, this one just got divorced, this one has cancer, this one has tumor, this one has a life and death, sir, uh, pray for me, pray for here, can I come see you, I have to, this, that, every day, every day, one year, two years, so it's a very big job. Doctors, they have their shifts. Close his job, it's not, that's it, somebody else there. Nobody bothering from now until tomorrow morning, you can rest, enjoy, barbecue, swim in his pool. That's it, I'm not on a job. Nobody is not on a job. They know now there's another doctor there in case something is an emergency. Rabbis don't have replacement. He has their community. Anytime there's a tragedy happen, right away, one o'clock, two o'clock, funeral, get the body, Chevrat Kadisha, fly to Israel. It's never end. This problem, yeshiva, to pay the bill, there's no money, run before they disconnect. <laughs> Believe me, there's no end to it. Now, the bigger you are, the more responsibility you have. You have 500 students. Everyone has to get the salary on the first of the month. What do you think? It's a machine, ATM, you press as much as you want and money comes out? There's a lot of tests. A person has today two kids and a dog and he wants to commit suicide. How am I going to pay their living? Why don't you have another kid, Moshe? Kid is a million dollars to raise. And then you see all these rabbis, 5,000 students in Lakewood. The Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Kotler, it's like having 5,000 children. Imagine if a person had 5,000 children that he has to take care of each one of them. That they have what to wear on a holiday, on Shabbat, shoes, that, salary, health, doctors, appointments, psychiatry, psychologists. Yeah, he has assistants, I'm not saying no. A wife that has two, seven kids, everyone bow down to her in the community. Wow, Hashem will help you, seven kids. What about 5,000 kids? What about the chief rabbi of Israel? Half a million people under his decision, what to do, what to do, yet to do, not to do, who to vote. It's a big responsibility. So, Hashem said, if you don't do, if you neglect your job, your work, your responsibility, you're guilty for all of them. If everyone made a sin because of you, you're responsible for everyone. So what good is that? It's a big responsibility. So everyone who knows how big and demanding is the job for sure will hate it and will not be interested in the few minutes of respect and honor that he may get. And if people praise him, he has to suffer in his heart. Why are they praising me for something I don't have? If he's honest with himself, whatever they say, they say you're smart. You think about the Rambam, you know you're not even one thousand of a percent from him. So how can you call yourself smart? He thinks you're handsome. You look at Yosef in the Torah, the most handsome man. So you're like a monkey compared to him. You're strong. Look at Bar Kokhva. 800 people, David Amelech in a war. One against 800. You hero, what a hero you are. You know, so no matter what, there's always you're going to compare yourself to the right people. You know you're nothing. So what are you bragging about? If somebody come and ask you, how would I know to name a person a respectful person? person with dignity. How do I know? Here, there's a hundred people standing over there. Who deserves to be called a respectful human being? What's going to be the first description? Who do you think deserves to be called a respectful human being? Who? Someone who helps the poor? Someone who speaks polite? 
Someone who never gets angry. What's the right word? Very good. Who is respectful? Someone who respects everybody else. He is a respectful human being. Everyone. Whether it's a big chacham, whether it's a person homeless like this, crippled, calm, dirty, didn't take a shower for two years, same thing. It's also a human being, has a soul. Jew, goy, goyim. Everyone, ma, that's it. Don't have my nose up here. What else? Don't wait until people run to say hello to you. You'll be the first one. Run to them. But, but I'm the chief person, and he, he could be my grandson. Doesn't matter. So what? Yeah, you're right. He does, he's supposed to run to you. That's the right way. He didn't run. So what, your ego is up now? Why do you get offended? How are you? Believe me, you tell him how are you, he will feel worse. Next time he will be waiting for you an hour before. You know? They say Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai, no person ever say hello to him first. Even the goyim. He was always the first one. So respect everybody. The 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, five of them survived. Everybody else died. Why? In their level. They didn't give enough respect one to another in their level. In our level, we will not find one sin that they ever did. But in their level, Hashem knows your level. He judge you where you are, not like a beginner. In their level, it wasn't perfect. The, hum the humble person will never desire material pleasure. Never. Why? When a person like fancy schmancy stuff, that's because of his ego and pride, and he wants to be important. So the car, the jewelry, this, that, the clothing, he has a status. But a person who doesn't have a status, what does he care? You brought him a suit from the second hand, you know, in a flea market, $10. One person came to me for Shavuot, was dressed like a million dollars. Somebody gave him a compliment. So he had a tie. So he said, the tie, I bought it from that place, $3. It looked like a $60 tie. And then the person said, in the suit? Say soon $10 in a Metziot place. <laughs> An Italian suit worth $600 with a tag on it. Some rich person bought it. I guess he didn't like it when he got home. He gave it to the Metziot place. <laughs> he got to this yeshiva guy. <laughs> Sometimes the poor people dress better things than average people. How can it be? I can show you. 20 poor people that dress better than all of you. They dress $800 item, $1,000, $1,200 shoes. How? I know few rich people that they have a mental disease. Every day, the wife goes shopping with her assistants. Today, they go to this store, Madison, this. Uh, Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue. So they buy, 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 buy. Mamash, they buy like wholesale. Nine pants, 400 kinds of shoes. And what happens is there's not enough time to wear it. It's like a person who goes to the restaurant, he orders by his, not by, by his stomach, he orders by his eyes. How much you can put in a stomach? One pound of food? But he ordered, give me hummus and chips and french fries and this, and salads and that, and steak and that, and five desserts. By the time he gets to the meal, he's stuffed. 
So what happened? They buy, buy, buy. And then they don't wear. And then there's new things come to the stores. How are they going to miss it now? So they buy new things. So a lot of the things with the tag, they give us, and we give it out. So, so, so we have Avrechim, who the average salary per month, believe it or not, is less than $1,000. And the rent that they pay is more. And the rest, they live with miracles. But their wives wear a suit, $1,200. <laughs> more than the, the entire month. Why? The rich people, they buy, and eventually, what are they going to do? They put it in the garbage. Same thing, the cleaning ladies. They make $10 an hour and wear a $5,000 suit. Why? She doesn't know what to do, so she gives it to them. You understand? But if the poor people would come to these wealthy people, say, don't give me $5,000 suit. Give me $500 to buy food for my children. We're starving. Maybe they'll give one time. Second time, they get angry. But the clothes, no problem. Ah, I'm going to throw it to the garbage. This is what's going on today. That's all because of pride. Why do I need all this? I know some people, one time I went to an, an event, and in that event, when I got there, I saw the driver of this wealthy family. So I said to him, oh, they already came? So he said to me, no, I only came. So are you not driving them today? He said, no, I came with this car. They're going to come with another car. So I said, so what, you uh, a guest in a, I know it's the driver, you guest in an event? He said, no, you're crazy. I'm not a guest. <laughs> I said, so what are you doing here? I'm trying to understand what's going on. He said, no, I just brought them their gowns. So I said, what do you mean? He said, they come from the house with one dress, but after half an hour, they go and they take another dress and they change it in the same party three or four times. Why? Am I going to be an hour with the same dress? <laughs> this, this is today, the 21st century. That's what's happening. You understand? So, all the show off eventually will be very expensive. When the tag, the price will be served, many of these people will be very disappointed. What else? So the humble person is not anxious to get anything delicious and special. Ah, give me shoes that I can walk with. That's it. I'm, I'm happy. He doesn't have high demands. And will never get into anger and fighting for money because he doesn't have big eyes. Everything will be peaceful in his life. Let me just survive, that's all. We are now in chapter 23. How do we become humble? How? First, never buy the most expensive clothes. Average clothes. Not the most poor clothes, but not the most expensive one. Average, nice, look no respectful. Don't have to go for the bigger, for the best. Car, good car that can drive safely to places, smooth, fine. You don't need the biggest, the most expensive one. You don't need. What else? House, don't need the biggest mansion. Just an average house. You need room for gas? Buy a big house. Don't buy the fanciest. Don't run after the best. Forget about it. It's not important. Just get what you need, not what you want. And what else? A symbol of arrogance people. Arrogance, whenever you find an arrogant person, if you check carefully, you see that he doesn't know any Torah. Most of the people, because of their ignorance, they become arrogant. 
People that know a lot of Torah, even they have a lot, you don't see it on them. They hide it. Once in a while, there's an exception to the rule. Some people use their knowledge in the Torah to be proud. And that's not good, but that's not supposed to be like this. What else? People who have no knowledge usually make the most noise than anybody else. What we call it? Istera bilagina kish kishkarya. One penny in a tzedakah box makes a lot of noise. People who their brain is full don't make a lot of noise. Don't have to prove anything to anyone. You know these people always jump, they want to talk? Sit down, what do you have to talk? Better never, nobody call. No, you have to say something. Why? Because he doesn't have what to say. So he wants, you know, the little that he knows, one or two things. He has to, to make a lot of noise. What else? Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest person, the one, only one who spoke to God face to face in history. Moshe Rabbeinu. What did the Torah say about him? The most humble person from any human being. So why Hashem loved him? Because he was a humbled person. Uh, there were many other people that were just as great and they were not stuttering. But Hashem, who did he choose? The one who stuttered, he takes care of the sheep, and he's down to earth. He is the leader of the world. He is the legend of the world. He is going to be my messenger. The one and only. And even if a person knows Gemara, let's say. Let's say he finished the whole Masechet Shabbat, the whole chapter of Shabbat. They ask him, oh, I heard you finished Masechet Shabbat. He's allowed to lie and say, no, only half. Why? I know you want to give me now honor. He better say that I didn't finish. Better not to get it. I heard you do this and this and that. No, it wasn't me. I just helped a little bit. Somebody else did it. I heard you donate the shul. Me? Who told you that? Yeah, they said that you're the one who gave the money. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Ah, to lie? Well, since when the Torah allowed to lie? For honor, for ego, for things like this, is a mitzvah. Also for Ainara. Why, why do you need the whole world to know that you made money and all of a sudden you became a bad tzedakah? What else? If a person gets into it, it gets into his body like a poison of a snake. And, co and he collapses. And we have an example of Yoash in Divrei Ayamim. That was very good. Most of his days when Yoyadao HaKohen Rabo was alive, next to him he was very good. After his rabbi died, He's the servant, he became important, because once his rabbi passed away, he became the important one. And all the servants started to praise him and give him compliments. And slowly, slowly, they made him like the god, like the messiah, like the, the legend. And he started to become proud. And what happened in the end? Everything that he had went down the tube. And this is what the Psalms say in 101, verse 6. Someone who walks through the path in a complete, simple way. None of these fancy show-off and all kinds of big shocks acts. No, simple, down to earth. Not, not too much noise and rings. He deserved to serve me, Hashem says. 
לא יושב בקרב ביתי עושה רמייה. A pretender cannot enter my house, God say. Someone who pretends is somebody is not. I'm disgusted from these people. And we all of us like this. Some more, some less. All of us. Some more, some less. Some people pretend in one thing. Some people pretend in everything in their life. Always pretend that somebody they're not. You know these people who buy a cheap suit and they go and they buy a tag and they change it? And they make sure when they take the tie, they, they always put it on that somebody thinks that he's an important person, he wear a thousand dollar suit. Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is sick already. But somebody else is a pretender in a different thing. He can be a pretender in a street, in a market, in a jewelry market. He can be a pretender in yeshiva. Pretend that you're somebody that you're not. You know? Chapter 24. Irat achet, fear from the sin, fear from the sin, something we all need, urgently. Some more, some less. After we reviewed the 23 chapters that we had up to now, now comes the time to speak about fear from the sin. A person can never reach this level until he reached all the things that we spoke about before. Remember everything. What's my obligation in my life? What was I created for? Being careful. How do I reach this level of being careful with my behaving in front of God? Being a hardworking guy, not lazy. You know, uh, all the addictions for material stuff. How do I get out of it? Clean, not a thief. Not a crook. How do I clean myself from all the, the bad things around me? That I can say that I'm a clean person with a clean heart and this. How do I, how do I avoid luxury and fancy material pleasure that would make me far away from my creator? All these things. How would I purify myself? How do I reach a level of chasidut, which is above being righteous, even doing more than what I have to? But real chasidut, not pretending that I am one. All these things that we spoke about, being humbled, how do I reach this level? What does it mean to be humbled? How do I reach this level? And now comes the time to speak about fear from the sin. What is the fear from the sin? It says like this, we have to speak about different kinds of fears, the Ramchal say. Two that there are actually three. What does it mean? The first one, it's very easy to reach. Yes, in our dreams. 250 years ago, maybe it was. Today, nothing is easy. But at his time, or for his level, it was very easy to reach. What is it? There's nothing easier than that. I like it. There's nothing easier than that. And the second one is the hardest one to reach. And it's very hard to reach perfect level in it. There is fear from the punishment. That's the first level. To get to this level that you fear from God's punishment, it's a piece of cake. Yeah, that's why 99 out of 100 people that I know don't care about their punishment. Not in this life, not in the afterlife. They just don't care. In his level, Jews, non-Jews, people were afraid of God. Today, it doesn't seem to be the case. But at least 
it was supposed to be very easy. That a person has fear from the punishment. That's easy. Supposed to be easy. Then there is fear, it's called irat aromemut. Recognizing the greatness, the level of our Creator, and just from this understanding that it's not so simple to reach, who are we dealing with here? Who chose us? Who is watching us? Who has relationship with us? Who match himself to our choices? So it's a big thing here. Just from that alone, the person is frozen before he is doing something negative. It's two different things. One thing, the policeman is hiding on a highway. People drive 50. What can I do? In a rush. Ticket, this, points, insurance, suspension. And I drive slow. What can we do? Fear from the punishment. But irata romemut is very difficult to reach. Why? Because you have to be a very high-level person to understand the level of God. If you are nobody, it's very difficult for you to understand who you're dealing with. Same thing in finance. Person who doesn't know anything about finance. It comes to the most important person in a financial world. Has degrees from the best universities, genius, this, that. He doesn't understand who he's dealing with. <laughs> I sell shoes in the market. Who is he, this guy? is going to tell me what to do. He doesn't understand. Person doesn't know religion. See a rabbi, dress simple, nothing special. And he's an important big shot in a business. He sits with him, he talks to him a little bit about the parasha. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. We have many hundreds of cases that the rabbi were trying to be as humble as possible. They never said who they are. And people were disrespecting them. And then when they found out who, they, who, who is their guest, they went crazy. They didn't know who they dealt with. When they found out, they couldn't tolerate the last man that I disrespected this person. It wasn't their fault. Just the fact that they finally realized who they made to sleep on a mattress on the floor or who they did this to that and who they didn't know who they're dealing with. They felt horrible because finally they understood who they're dealing with. But all this time, hey, no problem. Hey, you sleep over here. You come clean here. You come clean. Because they never told him who he is. What else? It says like this. Irata onesh kipshuta. Fear from the punishment is simply understood. Person is afraid to violate God's rules because there are severe punishments for every sin. That's it. Punishments are severe. It's not a joke. To the body and to the soul. Why? Why it's easy? Why the Ramchal thinks it's easy? The answer is because everyone loves himself. We are all egoistic. And all of us love ourselves. We all save. We're all planning the future. Why we think about the future? Because we love ourselves. We want to have a comfortable life. Obviously, nobody wants to eat poison and know that he's going to die near because we love ourselves. Not because we hate the poison. We don't want to die. That's the reason why we don't eat it, even if it's very delicious. So what's going on here? So it says like this. A person loves himself and is fear for his life. So therefore, everything that danger is life, he will run away from it as much as possible. This kind of fear 
It's only for women, for children, and for ignorant men. Why? People who don't learn Torah. Nothing against the women, don't get it wrong. Children who don't learn, women who don't learn in yeshiva all their life, and ignorant business people. Can be the judge in a court, he doesn't know Torah. These kind of people who are not connected to me, to the Torah, God says, what do you expect from them? That's, that's the level they can understand. Don't do this, that Hashem won't kill you. Don't do this, that he won't make you cripple. Don't do this, that he won't send you cancer. Don't do this, that he won't take away your house. That's the way that most people understand. Many people are religious because of Parnassah. They want to make a good living. So they're afraid to, do, to make sins. They're afraid God will take away their wealth or their health or their children, God forbid. So this is the lowest level. And you know what? In this generation, I wish everyone would have this and that's it. But even that nobody has almost. But in his time, almost everybody had that, that fear. But it's not for the high scholar and people with brilliance, people who are learning Torah in a high level. The second kind is irat aromemut. It's recognizing the level of the creator, that a person would stay away from the scene from being embarrassed that I will violate the word of master of universe. Nah, forget about punishment. Even if I have a personal guarantee that I will never get punished. Never. If I reach that level, punishment doesn't play a role here. Just that the master of the world told me not to do this, and I ignore him, what an embarrassment. To reach this level is very difficult. Why? We are human beings. We, like I said, 99.2% like chimpanzees, the DNA. The soul, that's the difference. That's the soul, the divine soul. This kind of fear is very difficult to get. Because you cannot get it unless if you pay attention to every detail in your life and things around you all your life, every minute of your life. You cannot live and watch basketball, soccer, vacation, golf, on your yacht, in business, this, that, food, bar, Chinese, Japanese, Persian, that. And to say in the end, wow, I'm so close to God, understanding his mind. It's not going to be together. So people like this, that pay attention to every detail, they have high brain, high soul, and they pay attention to every little thing they learn, they compare, they always check, they learn from other people's mistake. They see the brilliance of the body, of the creation, of the galaxies, of what's happening over here. This is one major role in the Hasidut that we mentioned before. Remember chapter 17, we spoke about Hasidut? That a person will be embarrassed and fear when standing in front of God when he stands to pray to him or to serve his service. And this is what Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. To fear your great, glorious God, your God. Not fear punishments over here. In different places he spoke about fear from punishment. Over here to recognize who you are dealing with and shake, shake. There are people when they walked into the synagogue, they begin to shake. You never see them leg on leg, yawning, sleeping, 
eating, texting inside the synagogue. You never see it. Why? They came into the house of God, they shake. Some people, eh, synagogue, talking, sleeping, snoring, you know, whatever. Big deal. A person will always be scared and worry about everything he does. Maybe it wasn't 100% correct. Whether it's big, whether it's small, why? I'm standing in front of this great God. Remember, punishment is not a factor here. Even if he has a guarantee that he's dismissed from any punishment. And even if there was no reward involved here. Nothing. You, die, you live 70 years and you die. No heaven, no hell, no punishments, nothing. Just that I'm standing here and God told me to do A, B, C, D. And I know who he is. Doesn't matter anymore. Punishment, reward, nothing. Just the fact. If everyone would understand, why we have to do this? Because God says so. End of, end of argument. Ah, logic, explain to me, let me understand, convince me how, how can it be? Forget about all this. Why we have to do it? God said so. Why? Well, it doesn't matter. We have to do that. So that's, the, that's the wish of the creator of the world. And when a person stands in prayer, when he mentions his sins in the prayers, some people are fainting, shaking, irash, scramble in his heart, waves, vibration in his body, goosebumps, hot body temperature, sweat. One time there was one rabbi in Russia teaching his students at 9.30 in the morning, shiur gemara, after the prayers of the morning. All of a sudden, a person came in. Said, Rabbi, can I borrow your talit and tefillin? I didn't pray shachrit yet. He doesn't know who he is. He came to the shul. Doesn't have tefillin. What is he going to say? No? Okay, here is my talit. Here is my tefillin. So this person went to the corner. And he's praying, praying, praying for an hour like this. Then he gave back the rabbi the talit. The talit is soaking wet. It's like he spilled a bucket of water on it. That's how much he sweat, this person. Rabbi got disgusted. Well, I'm going to put it on my face now, with this sweat now. So I said to him, I gave you the talit to pray, not to, sp to spill water on it. After that, he said, I apologize. I sweat a lot. So it's not so hot today. Why do you sweat so much? I got curious, the rabbi. Maybe he's sick. I don't know. <laughs> so he told him, I tell you what, I was standing by the window, and I saw the Russian Tsar standing on a stage in the middle of the street, and the Russian soldiers with their rifles are crawling on the floor, jumping above the, the wall, and on the thorns, they bleed, they don't care, they run, they stand, they clean their clothes, they work so hard for this person. So in the middle of the prayers, I started to think to myself, look at this Russian goyim. They have one piece of person, today is here, tomorrow the worms would eat him, would eat him up. But he's now the Russian Tsar, like the king. He came to pay them a visit. Look how much they torture themselves to show him respect. To, like, like we are the soldiers of the country, how they want to be kind in front of him, to, you know, to satisfy him. And I thought to myself, they are worshipping this one that is a murderer, a rapist, a thief, a crook, everything you want to say on him. And look how much they respect him. And I pray and talk to the master of universe who chose me from all the people in the world. And I 
pretend that I'm praying and thinking about my business. So I started to get panic. How they are better than me? That's why I started to sweat. You know, when you feel, you sweat. In a court, they're about to read your verdict, 50 years in prison. You're dropping sweat, even if it's 20 below zero. You know when there's a bedroomer on the phone, how you feel waves of heat comes? Well, where does it come from? So the rabbi forgave him, say, okay, okay, no problem. No, we don't need dry clean. It's my honor to take a shower with your sweat. Sweat of a mitzvah. We're almost done, and it says like this. Fear from the sin is every hour of his life, because everything he does, it's a mitzvah or a sin. That's why it's called irat achet. Fear from the sin. Irat haromemut, it's very difficult to have it every hour of your life. Sometimes you reach it, then it falls down, you reach it, it falls down. Almost impossible to keep it seven years of your life, almost impossible. But the more you reach it, the better it is, of course. And this is what King Solomon wrote in Mishlei 28, verse 14, Ashre Adam Mefachet Tamid. How lucky is a person who always fear, not like today. I don't like to be religious out of fear. It's not our style. You know these people who bring people to become religious? Well, no, that's not our style. What is your style? You made a new Torah. According to your style, we have to erase half of the Torah, because half of the Torah is punishments and strict laws and anger. God is angry when you go against him and betray him and ungrateful to him. Yes, he writes it clear in the Torah. No, no, it's not our style. Okay, so you come in advance and say, listen, we modify the Torah just like the Reform did. Half of the Torah we, we ignore. We only talk about the things we like to hear. Why you call yourself orthodox? You're orthodox. You take the Torah from A to Z, the way it is. What you like, what you like less, what you love, what you're afraid of, everything is the word of God. When a person, even when he doesn't see the obstacle in front of him, he should always fear maybe there's an obstacle, there's a mind here. The next step he will blow. Even I don't see, like in a war. You know the soldiers, how they're afraid when they went in the middle of the night in Lebanon against the Hezbollah in the jungles over there? Every second there's maybe a trap and, and the whole area will go on a hundred kilo of dynamites over there. They were making in their pants, one soldier told me. One time after the other, from fear. What do you think? A person cannot control himself. He's the biggest hero, you should see. Six, five, big, muscular guy, commando. In the middle of the night, every move of, a, of some animal in a, in a forest. And shooting and bombs and people screaming. That's what people went through. So every second, wow, maybe something's about to happen. And that's nothing compared to how much a person should fear and be careful from what's going to be next in his spiritual life. Because this is have an eternal effect on his eternity. Over here you die, you live, no, so you don't die today, you die in 20 years. What's 20 years compared to eternity? Over there it's eternity, you'll die for eternity. Eternity means forever. And nobody cares. And this is what he says. Moshe Rabbeinu said, 
בעבור תהיה יראתו על פניכם לבלתי תחתאו. I want every one of you to have a fear from God. It will help you not to sin. Exodus 20, verse 20. And prophet Isaiah said in his prophecy, Isaiah 66, verse 2, God say, this is who I'm aiming to, I'm looking at. Who? El Ani, Ruach, poor, down to earth, and scared from my orders. Those are the ones I take with me. Doesn't have anything simple, down to earth, and fear from my, from, to sin. Fear from what I said. And King David said, Sarim redafuni chinam. Minister, kings were after me to, to mingle with me, to be my friend. You're the most important person in the world, King David. None of it interests me. What's the rest of the verse? And you know how much I was afraid from your orders. You know, and Hashem put a stem, approve. I know, you're right. You're right. And Prophet Isaiah say, Isaiah 63, verse 19, If you open heaven, one second, all the mountains will melt like water from fear from who you are. The mountains, big, huge mountains, the Everest, this, that, melt like rivers in a second. The nature, <laughs> Who are we compared to these mountains? So, Mamash, we're almost finishing. Another minute, we finish chapter 24, and Bezrat Hashem, the next week, I'm going to have a party here. Emil told me, please, Rabbi, don't finish the shiur today. Because <laughs> I want to do, remember, we made a siyum last time here. It was a beautiful meal. So next Monday, make sure you bring all your friends. Tell them it's going to be, forget about the shiur. There's good food, tell them. Good snaps. <laughs> There's going to be a party here. So it says like this. Last thing in chapter 24, it says like this. One is in the future, one is in the present. And in the future, and the second one is what was already passed. So the present is falling into the future, because the next second it will become, you know, the, the, the past. But right now it's still a part of the future. So it says like this. When a person will be worried about what he does or what he's about to do, what he does right now or what he's going to do in the next minute, always have to be worried. What about what he already did? What happened, happened. What do you want? I'm going to worry about what I did already. So what's the answer? Sure. Even what you did, you have to be worried about what you did. Why? It can still be corrected. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. What is it like? You broke a glass. Can you glue the glass of the store back? No. You pay $1,000, they put a new glass. Anybody care that you didn't fix the original glass? No. The owner of the store is pretty happy with you. You came, you paid the damage, you made the put a new, new, new glass, he's happy. Can you say that you fixed the damage? No. 
You never fix the damage. There's no way to fix the damage. But for Hashem, it's good enough. You do tshuva, it's like putting a new mirror, new glass. Many of the things we can correct. You murdered someone, you don't bring him back to life. But it counts like you did. Even to murder. You but you do tshuva. Hashem consider it like you were never you were never Mechalel Shabbat. But there are certain things that it's called Meruvat Lo Yuchalitkon. Something that got spoiled sometimes cannot be fixed. For instance, the years that you did not learn Torah 40 years until you decided to start. Nobody will return these 40 years to you. Very nice that at age 40 you started to keep Shabbat and go to Daf Yomi and you learn an hour a day. And then two hours and five hours and all day. And then you became a rabbi age 60. Very nice. But who's going to give you back the 40 years you lost? You cannot ignore those years. They'll never come back. That's why maybe you'll be lucky like Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, when age 40, was cleaning horses. And then the daughter of Kalba Savua, Rachel, decided to marry him and send him to Yeshiva. 24 years, he became a legend. But what about the 40 years that he was cleaning horses and he didn't know Aleph Bet? Hashem sent them back to life as Ramchal. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato lived 39 years. The 40 years that he missed, don't worry, I'll give it back to you. I'll send you holy from birth. You cannot reach what he reached in 39 years in a million years. Million years you live, you don't reach this level. But when you come as Rabbi Akiva, everything goes easy for you. Because you only came here to complete the 40 years you missed. But we? What are we, Rabbi Akiva? We're going to be the most important Jews in the history? Probably not. So every day who's gone is gone. That's it. You cannot earn it back. Every Kriyat Shema you miss, that's it, it's gone. Yes, you did Shuva, you got saved from the punishment, yes. The reward of the Kriyat Shema is gone forever. And when you see how much you lose for every day, you didn't say one minute Shema in the morning, one minute in the evening, then you know what loss is. People cry for $100, $200, $500, a million dollars, and they know the value of one Kriyat Shema They'll never forgive themselves. They get, ah, brush their teeth, open the stupid newspaper, coffee, phone calls, radio, ten ten news, traffic. One minute, Shema Israel. Like Hashem said, ah. Rabbi, we're in the 21st century. Ten ten news, that's what's happening now. Tomorrow is a final, something, basketball. One guy take a piece of leather, he throw it into the net. Wow, the world is shaking. People crying, kissing the cup. Wow, Mashiach arrived. How stupid we became. Who is dumber, the players or the audience? It's a big question. Audience for sure. Audience for sure. The players make money and at least they enjoy sport. The audience is dumber. What do they get? What do they get? They only lose money and time. What do the audience get, really? Think about it. Anyway, so the Ramchal say, even what you did, you always have to compare. Maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe I should have done it better. So in the next time, I'll learn from my past sins and from other people's sins. And Bezrat Hashem, we're done. Now, next week, chapter 25, how to reach this level of fears, level of, of fear from the sin, level of fear from, from the level of Hashem. And the last chapter, 
chapter 26. Chapter 25 is very short. It'll be a matter of 10, 15 minutes. We'll be done. And then the last chapter should take an hour, probably about half an hour. It will be chapter 26, holiness. Understanding what holiness means in a right way. Bezrat Hashem. Baruch Adonai Amen